Well, good afternoon. I want to welcome you to the webinar. Hey, it may be morning. It could even be late at night while you're watching this. But we're doing a live YouTube stream in the afternoon. It's uh, Thursday, August the 8th. And uh, I've been out busy showing property and listing property today and fielding phone calls. But my commitment to continue to do some type of live streaming for global real estate school and for any students that are out there thinking about the real estate exam we want to do that for you and we want you to be sure and subscribe to our youtube channel you're already there hopefully so just click on our global real estate school logo i'll be sending this out on some other social network sites so if you haven't subscribed to our youtube channel please do so we have 181 subscribers. We picked up a new one yesterday. Thank you to that new subscriber. My goal is 100,000, over 100,000 subscribers. And I know I can get there. I just have to continue to do live streaming. And I need some of you, because I've had folks from New York, California, the state of Washington, who are following me and who send me the kindest emails and notes. Uh, I need you to tell folks in your pre-licensed school that they can get some additional study information from uh, an international trainer and speaker who has an online real estate school, John Mayfield, Global Real Estate School. So thanks for joining. Be sure and spread the word. Be sure and subscribe. And you can also follow me if you want to on Instagram. I'm at at real estate tech guy. Of course, we have our Facebook page you can like and We've even got a podcast, so if you want to listen to these sessions in your car, to and from work, or maybe you're going out for a walk in the evening, something I need to be doing more of, you can listen to the sessions and be studying, exercising, uh, putting in some good study time on your way to work, or traveling, and so much more. So uh, check us out, globalrealestateschool.com. Don't forget our iTunes or we're on Podbean if you have an Android. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. So enough of that said. Let's get started with, uh, with today's podcast. We're going over vocabulary terms. I'm going to quickly go over a few items that we've already discussed, but I'll show you what my flashcards look like. This is inside of the, inside of the real estate school. So... Um, Remember severalty? We talked about this yesterday. Severalty has to do with what? And I know you can remember that. It's the sole ownership of one person, single person. And remember that corporations also take title in severalty. I'm going to see if I can make that bigger, but I don't think I can. So. Um, severalty. So there we go. There we go. That might be a little better there. All right. So now I'm going to just have to, there we go. It's over here. I made my screen a little bigger, so it was a little challenging to, to look at there. Tenancy in common. What was unique about a tenancy in common. Remember, this is how you vest the title when you're purchasing real estate or if someone 
deeds or gives you real estate or uh, how are you going to vest that when there's more than one person now husband and wife we learned what type of title they will take it as that's right tenancy by the entirety but tenancy in common just kind of make this a whoop make this a little bigger for you tenancy in common is a form of what we call concurrent ownership which just means more than one person it could be two it could be three it could be husband and wife and another husband and wife but it's two or more persons in which each has an undivided interest in the whole property this form is frequently found when the parties acquire title by descent or by will but it can also be uh, put together in this format if you're not inheriting the property um, so what we mean by what you need to understand with tenancy in common for the exam if you want to write this down you can if you want to put this in your memory you can have equal or unequal interests so if you see any kind of uh, verbiage in the question where there are more than two owners and they have equal or unequal interest has to be a tenancy in common and there is no right of survivorship remember that if a person dies their interest will go to their heirs under a tenancy in common okay now let's take a look at the next one because it is a joint tenancy and with joint tenancy remember there is what is called right of survivorship and with a joint tenancy what I want you to know and understand is that there are two or more owners and they took title at the same time they all have the same amount of interest and they have equal possession or they possess possession interest time title okay I know that's a lot but just remember you see a test question they're talking about concurrent remember that word concurrent ownership two or more owners and they tip you off by saying they each owned a third one of them died and so the other two owners now own 50% each what type of ownership interest did they have they had a joint tenancy why because of right of survivorship right of survivorship okay now let's go on over to the next one and this is tenants by the entirety and this is just husband wife okay just remember that husband and wife a special joint tenancy between a lawfully married husband and wife which places all title to property real or personal into the marital unit with both spouses having an equal undivided interest in the whole property okay and then we talked about community property remember that community property is property that you and your spouse acquire together while you are married okay if my if I purchase property 
uh, or acquire property and we're in a community property state, then that's both of ours, okay? Now, in some states, they have separate property and separate property is property that you bring to the marriage or you inherit after you were married, okay? And so separate property is, is more, um, is recognized in some states. If you inherited a million dollars and you were in a separate property state, that million dollars would be yours as separate property. It would not be considered community property. And then the last one we talked about, uh, I believe it was the last one we talked about, was the suit to partition. And that's how you uh, terminate a joint tenancy would be a suit to partition. Uh, you cannot do this with a tenancy by the entirety. All right, so I think, and then we talked about PITT, P-I-T-T, possession, interest, unity of time, and unity of title. All of that has to be there for, uh, for PITT to work or for a joint tenancy to work. All right, well, good. Let me kind of exit out of here and make sure we haven't missed any other questions here. Um, well, we have a couple more here. Let's go back over here. So what is tenancy and severalty? That's ownership by one person. And we remember that a corporation can also own that as, uh, as a single person. Would a joint venture mean the same thing as joint ownership? Hmm. No, joint ventures where two or more people would go together with an agreement to start or form a business partnership. And joint ownership is when two or more people form a part of a business organization or real estate and there may be more than one business or organization. So more joint ownership has to do more on the ownership side, okay? Now, how would you define tenancy in common? Well, for the exam, tenancy in common, you wanna remember and acknowledge that there is no right of survivorship, no right of survivorship, which means if one of the owners dies, their heirs will inherit their portion. The other unique thing about a tenancy in common is it can be equal or unequal interest. And those are the two, really the two main items I would be looking at in the exam question is, is there unequal interest has to be tenancy in common? Is there this thing called no right of survivorship or can the heirs leave their property uh, or can the owners who die leave their portion of their property to their heirs? That's going to tip me off. It's a tenancy in common. No right of survivorship. Okay.
and we're going to go over here to let's go down how would you describe an undivided interest that's a great question well when you have an ownership right to enjoy and possess a property with the other co-owners with no one co-owner having the exclusive rights to any part, portion of the property you have what is termed undivided interest in other words you can't say this is my piece from the stream over to the old hickory tree and down to the corner fence and you guys have to take the other part but this is my third of this you know 30 acres these are the 10 acres i want undivided interest means you can't really tell whose interest is what and then who can vest title as tenants by the entirety husband wife you got to remember that only way you can do that husband wife tenants by tenants by the entirety community property we talked about again it's acquired or accumulated by a husband and wife during their marriage the community property is owned equally don't forget that and one more what is separate property that is property that was remember brought to the marriage or inherited after the marriage okay that's called separate property all right so that reviews what we went over yesterday i'm going to go back out i'm actually in what in my review modules here for global real estate school and the nice thing about the review modules you can use the menu button and you can go anywhere you want in the class so from here i'm going to just it can resume or restart let's see I'm, i must have done something wrong there but we're in the review so i can just jump right over here to corporation um i'm not gonna a corporation remember buys property in severalty i've seen that on the exam uh, limited partnership we haven't talked about it's interesting that a limited partnership there are what we call silent partners and then there is one general partner okay now a limited partnership and i talked about this recently on a podcast and i used an example of uh, my, my mom and dad years ago back in the 1980s early 80s when the government split up the the big telephone companies it's kind of funny they forced them to split up into smaller companies and now they're almost all back to where they were but there was a, a phone um, company that came to town and they had a general they were a limited partnership so they had a general partner and the general partner had all these folks come over for this presentation and he needed 30 people to give seven thousand dollars a piece which was a lot of money back then two hundred ten thousand dollars right to get this thing started well he found 30 investors may have been more than that they all invested seven thousand dollars a piece the company went bankrupt and he skipped town that's a limited partnership now 
The people who invested $7,000 a piece were considered silent partners. They had no say so whatsoever in the operation of the business. Okay. They're just a silent partner. It's a limited liability corporation. How much money can the silent partners lose only up into the amount they invested? So even though the company went bankrupt, all of the people who had invested only lost $7,000 because that was their limit. Now, a couple of people may have bought two shares of stock and invested $14,000, or if you bought three shares and you invested $21,000, all you can lose is $21,000. Doesn't matter if the, if, if the corporation or the limited, let me go back up, the limited liability partnership lost $3 million dollars they can't come after you as a silent partner for any additional funds. You only lose the amount you invested. Now, the general partner, the guy who corralled all of these people to give 7000 each, he's called the general partner, and he can be out and be responsible for all of the debts of the limited liability partnership. But the silent partners, they're only going to be out what they invested. Now, the, the downside of that's the good side about a limited liability partnership. You are only responsible for what you've invested. The downside is you have no say so in the day-to-day -day operations. The general partner runs the limited liability partnership and is also liable for all of the debts the limited liability partnership incurs. Okay. Now, partnership, on the other hand, a general partnership just going to tell you a story here. Um, two or more owners, right, in a general partnership. I was taking corporation finance. This is a true story. And some of you out there are saying, wait a minute, are all of his stories true? <laughs> and the answer is yes. My mother always told me never let the truth interfere with a good story, but, um, but my stories are all true. Years ago, it was years ago, 1982, when I was in college, I crammed four years of college into five, by the way. And I did go on and finish my master's degree just a couple of years ago. But years ago, I was taking corporation finance and we came to the chapter on partnerships. And my instructor just started yelling out, well, not yelling, but see how you'd never let the truth interfere with a good story. He said some very bad words in a rather loud tone of voice about his thoughts on partnerships. And he, I remember him throwing a piece of chalk and it went right over our heads and it exploded on the back of the wall behind us. And he said, we'll go on to the next chapter. Now, what he was trying to tell us is kids, boys and girls, whatever you do, don't get involved in a partnership. It's bad news. And uh, I probably should have taken that advice because lo and behold, my wife and I have entered into a couple of partnerships with people we were trying to help buying a house and to flip year back in the day. And I don't want to say it didn't work out, but it, partnerships are challenging and they're tough. And under a general partnership, you're, you are liable for all of the debts of the partnership.
So I know one person who was in a partnership with another person and the other person did some things that caused the business to lose lots of money, became liable legally for some obligations. My friend had nothing to do with that. However, he became liable for those debts that the other partner created. So that's the thing you need to know about partnerships. Uh, limited liability partnership, you have silent partners, they have no say-so in the day-to-day -day business. There's one general partner who does manage and perform the day-to-day -day activities. The silent partners are only responsible for the amount they invested. The general partner could be liable for all of the debts of the limited liability partnership. Now a general partnership, a little bit different, all the partners are responsible for all of the debts the business incurs. So keep that in mind. Okay, we are going to go on to the next one, time sharing. Um, a timeshare really is just designating a week or a month or a certain time out of the year that you could have access to that property. And I really haven't seen a lot of questions on time sharing, but I think you would be able to pick up in the question that if someone bought, because you could purchase um, ownership interest in a property and be restricted to a certain time of the year that you can use that. So I think that should be fairly self-explanatory for you to, to uh, understand. Now, a PUD, a planned unit development, planned unit development, it is a form of ownership that is sometimes referred to as overlay zoning, okay? PUD owners own the lot underneath their house. The common areas are owned by the community association that has created the, the PUD. So again, a planned unit development is going to be a little bit more like um, an, a subdivision association where things have been um, kind of detailed out on where, um, we'll go back and look at that again, where the um, developer plans to develop, where the government body will approve those plans. There might be a clubhouse with a swimming pool. There may be other types of things that are designated for that planned unit development. It's interesting, I was recently in Egypt speaking at a conference and my friend took me around to some of the subdivisions there. First of all, Egypt, mind-boggling the growth that's going on there. and. I was just amazed at what I saw, but they had a lot of these planned unit developments where there were subdivisions where this area would be for retail and shopping and this part would be for recreation and you know this was designated for church and synagogues and temples, um, mosque and, and so forth. So a lot of interesting things going on in, in uh, Egypt and 
I saw firsthand a lot of the planned unit developments there. A condominium, we're going to talk about a condominium, and we're also going to talk about a cooperative, the difference between the two. And so let's just, you're going to see a question on one of these on the exam for sure. A condominium, you own real estate. You get a legal description. You get a title to the property, okay? A cooperative, you get a long-term proprietary lease. One is shares of stock, cooperative. One is a real estate title to the property, condominium. Remember, we talked on our first vocabulary web webinar we did two days ago that real estate rights run not only vertically but horizontally. And remember we discussed that you could sell off your surface rights and air rights like they did in my area, the mining company, and keep the mineral rights. Well, if you can, if, if real estate rights run horizontally and vertically, then you can sell a block of air, correct? And so a condominium, because some condominiums are all on one level, some are up in the air in skyscrapers or near the beach, you're just buying from the inside wall to the inside wall, ceiling to floor. That's your legal description. We'll be talking about legal descriptions in our next uh, podcast. So you're buying actually a block of air, but it has a legal description to it. With a cooperative, you're getting a long-term proprietary lease, okay? It's shares of stock. One, you get ownership. The other one, you get shares of stock. So those are really the two things you need to know on the differences between a cooperative and a condominium. Just, just know if you're getting shares of stock, if it's a proprietary lease, if there is a, a board that needs to approve your ownership interest in the shares of stock, you're getting a cooperative. If you have to pay real estate taxes and you have to pay insurance and you're getting a title to the property, it's a condominium. Other questions might be, if you don't pay your taxes or you don't pay your upkeep and everyone else in the building becomes liable and responsible for your debt, you have a cooperative. If you see a question that says you don't pay your mortgage payment and the bank forecloses and takes your property, that's a condominium. If you see a question that says you don't pay your mortgage payment so the other owners in the complex or building have to pick up the tab and pay your part of the share, that's a cooperative. Cooperative, shares of stock, condominium ownership interest. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. That uh, will give you some more to think about. We were right at 30 minutes, so I hope this was helpful. As always, I appreciate you watching the webinar. Thanks for watching. Oh, and thanks for listening, too. We'll be putting this on our iTunes channel. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our uh, podcast. Uh, look us up on Facebook. We'd love to have you uh, follow us. Give us a five-star some great reviews, and tell some other folks about it as well. Thanks again. Have a great day.